Assalamu alaikum. Please give me a thumbs up, whoever's here. Just let me know you can or cannot hear me. That'd be really useful, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman Okay, we're just going to hang around just for a second before we get started. I'll maybe give it, I don't know, a couple of minutes. And then we'll get started, inshallah. Bismillah. Give me a thumbs up, anybody who's here. Give me a thumbs up. Cool. Thank you very much. Jazakallah khair. I can't really even see um, with these lights. I'm trying to move you a bit closer, inshallah. Okay. Bismillah. Okay. Jumdullah. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair. Um, cool. Got seven of you here. The rest of you guys say assalamu alaikum to me or something at least. Uh, wa alaikum salam. Jazakallah khair. Just let me know where you guys are, are from. Um, just say something to me so I know that you guys are here and I can uh, acknowledge you, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa alaikum salam Very nice to see you guys. Um, Jazakallah khair. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll wait for a few minutes for some other people to um, for some other people to join us, inshallah. Um, yeah. But uh, how are you guys today? Big Bad UK. Certainly not very big. It's pretty bad in some ways, but uh, but we like it that way. Um, Salamu alaikum. Ten of you guys here. Jazakumallah khair for joining me today. Alhamdulillah. How are the rest of you guys? Um, some others uh, have joined us. How are all of you? I hope you all are very, very well. hope you're in good health. hope you're having an amazing week so far. Um, yeah, we have bad weather, but um, to be honest, I, I like it. I like it how we have a lot of rain. It's because of that that um, we have green countryside, alhamdulillah. You know, the thing is, I think Muslims, especially in this country, miss out big time on the UK because um, most Muslims are in the cities um, like London and, you know, Manchester, Birmingham and stuff. And those places are the toilet of the UK, really. I mean, places where I'm from, obviously, like Cornwall, are absolutely beautiful. Like, we've got amazing places here in England, but most Muslims, unfortunately, miss out on it. Um, yeah. Cool. Right. Okay, who else is here? We'll just give it another... Should we give it until we've been here for four minutes, inshallah, and then we'll get started. We'll have a little introduction in four minutes. And, um, yeah, and then, um, yeah, after the introduction, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, how are you doing, bro? Alhamdulillah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, Southwest is nice. Yeah, it's nice, alhamdulillah, but only Cornwall. Um, Devon, they're our worst enemies because they're kind of our neighbours, so we don't like them. It's sort of like a Pakistan-India type thing without so much history. Um, yeah, they're our neighbours and we don't like them, so, uh, yeah. And the, 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 the only thing that's bad about Cornwall is you have to drive through Devon to get to it. That's the only problem. Um, if I ever can, I'll always fly over Devon so I don't have to smell it. No offence to you guys in Devon. We always have animosity to Devon, you know. I always hear people say, oh, you know, I love Cornwall. You know, I've been on holiday loads of times. Do you know Torquay or somewhere that's not even in Cornwall? They refer to places that are further up the country, like Devon and Somerset and stuff. I've even heard people accuse um, accuse us of not having invented the pasty. And they say it's actually from Devon, which is mental. Wa alaikum assalam. Wa alaikum assalam. Jazakum alaikum khair. We're just having a uh, little chat. The moment before we get started, we get to know each other a little bit. 
<laughs> yeah, mashallah. If they're going to Cornwall, um, we do have a masjid down there. Um, if they're going to be there on Friday, inshallah, you can go and visit. They are having they are having um, Jumu'ah on Fridays, so um, they can go and visit if if they want. Um, if they need a halal place to go and get curry, then go to the New Taj in St. Austell. That's my favorite place. Um, yeah, or if they want Turkish food, then go to the Central Grill in Truro. Um, Brother Metin, who works there, will take good care of you guys, inshallah. Uh, Muhammad Omar says, Salam, 60 steps is excellent. Jazakallah khair. Um, you're excellent. Uh, students like you who give me feedback and have been part of it and stuff, you are the guys who make it happen. So so you guys are excellent. Um, you know, keep on putting in the hard work, um, you know, and uh, it's all good. Oh, yeah, last thing is... Um, uh, we're going to start now. We're going to start now. I'm just going to make a quick announcement. So, um, uh, so uh, all the spaces for the cohort for September are gone now. Um, the program's closed. Um, so there are no more spaces now. Um, yeah. Everyone who's joined or is going to join in like, the next few minutes or whatever, um, they're the only people who can join for next month. Um, we're going to have a cohort seminar, like a welcome seminar tomorrow evening, where we welcome all the new students for that cohort. And then I'll kind of have a sit down and think about when we're going to open up for a new cohort of students in the Arabic and 60 Steps program. It won't be too long until we open again. Um, I want to graduate a few people. A few people have sat the exam this week, so um, I want to do that. And um, yeah, and then then another thing is that I've announced it to the students today, but I'll announce to you guys as well if you're thinking of joining. Um, I'm moving the program onto another website. Um, it's still going to be Arabic and 60 steps.com, but um, uh, yeah, there's there's still going to be that, but um, at the moment I'm hosting on a particular website, which isn't, which I, which just hasn't served all of my needs really, all the things that I want for my students. I'm going to move it over to another platform where we have more automated help really, and um, you know, regular assessments and stuff for the students. So without further ado, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Let's get into the third walkthrough of the Ala Uddin series. So um, obviously we're still continuing this competition that we're doing. Um, I did promise that we'd do um, a little giveaway at the end of the series. There's going to be three prizes. One of them is one of these beautiful Quran cube, Quran uh, moon galaxy lamp things. It has loads of different reciters of the Quran on it. You can make this light up in loads of different colours. We're going to give away one of those at the end of the series. Uh, we're also going to give away an Arabic and 60 steps jumper, white or black. Actually, under this video, you can probably see the merch line and stuff. You can probably see the jumper down there. So anyway, we'll give away one of those jumpers and we're going to give away a mug as well inshallah so um we've got three prizes how do you get entered for the competition well you need to comment under all of the videos um yeah all the videos in this series you need to like them you need to subscribe to the channel as well and you need to share each one of the videos somewhere so um whether that be on your on your facebook page or to one of your contacts in your whatsapp group or what, whatever right wherever you share it to um you know you need to do that to be entered for a chance to win all of those things inshallah so um, I think that's it. Let's get into it. I probably won't take any questions. I'll maybe have like intervals for questions, maybe, inshallah. We'll get started with the walkthrough. Um, because we're recording it in this setting, and I don't have um, the text up in the screen here. I'll just make sure I read through everything so all of you guys can benefit from all of it, inshallah. Um, if you do want to get hold of it, quickly open up another tab on your laptop and go to a previous video, either episode one or two. Go into the comments, go into the description section. And, um, and you can download the PDF as well. So you can read along with the PDF too, inshallah. So um, so that's how you can kind of read along with it. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything. Um, we'll get stuck into it. And um, yeah, and if you have any questions, um, then uh, yeah, um, you, you can put them in the comments, just I won't read them until we get kind of a, a decent section way through. So uh, at the end of last episode, we got to, 
uh, So um, I, I accidentally said wujudu for some reason. The wujud is the presence of something. But um, yeah, it's from the verb wajada to be found. Um, cool. Okay, good. So yeah, so so we ended with um, yeah, that his efforts were lost without any faida, without any benefit. So we'll continue on from there. Um, uh, and then it puts the ma'ana, the meaning in the brackets Very nice, let's do that inshallah So, um, good, so you might be thinking, what form is this for a start? I mean, it doesn't even look like it fits into any typical forms of the forms of the Arabic language, but it's a form eight. Sometimes that ta in the form eight in the um, um, the ifta'ala pattern, sometimes that ta in there um, can either be joined with other kind of um, emphatic letters, we call them. But yeah, so fadturra, I mean, just the term, just the term fadturra, uh, it means to be forced to do something. Um, but but it's not only that. Okay, so we're saying we're saying abuhu ila. So ila means something in particular. It means that he had to do something. Who did abuhu? Um, how do we know this is the subject? For a start, we had this question come up on the Arabic in sixty steps program this week. Um, why do we sometimes see abu or aba or abi? So ab is from uh, the uh, the asma al khamsa. Uh, these five uh, nouns, which they express their case with a long vowel, um, obviously. So, abi is the majroor, aba is the mansub, and abu is the marfur. Hence, why you might hear um, in sometimes like classical, you know, musal salat that you watch on TV and stuff, especially like the Omar series, you might hear people say like, ya aba bakr, for example, to say abu bakr. It has to be aba in that case because it's the mudaf. Ya Aba Bakr to say oh Abu Bakr, but it has to be Aba in that case. Or um, you know, if someone was gonna refer to me with my kunya, I'm my eldest son is called Yusuf, they'd say Ya Aba Yusuf. So return to it, return to the text. So Faturra Abuhu ila Muaqabatihi. Good, so he had to, right? He so his father had to had to punish him. The Muaqabatun a muaqaba is is pretty much the same meaning as an iqab, really. Um, yeah, it means a punishment. You have to punish him. Um, what zajrihi? Zajrihi is a word that I don't really like it. You just don't really see it a lot. It doesn't translate well. It, it really just means like rebuked him. His rebuking of him and his punishing him. And then the author kind of puts in brackets mil'ihi. His um, to mana'a something it means that something's not allowed, right? I gave the example in the previous lesson, I think, of If you might see that on signs somewhere in public places in the Arab world, it means the means it's forbidden, it's not permitted. The smoking, so smoking is not allowed in this particular area. But you might think, you know, I've had a lot of students kind of say to me, especially Muslims, I'll say, well, doesn't haram mean that it's not permitted? Haram has a specifically religious connotation with it. I mean, just those, just the root letters in that kind of has a... It has a religious connotation with it, with something being, with something being, um, something being religious. Um, so memnur is kind of a um, secular term for haram, as is masmuh, 
um, something's permitted, masmuh, a, uh, uh, a kind of secular term for halal. Very good. So his father was forced to punish him, basically. His father was forced to punish, punish him. وَاتَّخَذَ مَعَهُ وَسَائِلِ الْعُنْفِ وَاتَّخَذَ So اتَّخَذَ is a form 8 verb where the ta is joined, right? It's a form 8 verb. But it's actually from أَخَذَ. So أَخَذَ means to take. But in this case, it's taking with him a certain strategy or a certain وَسَائِل. وَسَائِل means the means of doing something or a way of doing something. The term وَسَائِلُ الْإِعْلَامِ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ وَسَائِلُ الْإِعْلَانِ الْإِجْتِمَاعِ Think. Uh, means social media. Um... Yeah, so the means of doing something, the medium of doing something is the wasail. So what kind of wasail did his father have to take with him? Um, he had to take a wasail of al-unf. For those of you who have done or are doing the Arabic in 60 Steps program, we have a newspaper article that we read at the end of the program about al-unf, and it means violence. Um, yeah, it means violence. Um, and the, the author kind of puts in brackets afterwards, ash-shidda. Ash-shidda doesn't necessarily mean al-unf. Shidda isn't necessarily al-unf. I mean, al-unf is violence. It translates directly to violence. But but shidda just means something sort of more severe. Good. So we took a, a violent. He started, started giving him a whooping. Parents have to give their kids a whooping sometimes if they're, they're pushing their luck. Ba'da an akhfafat fi islahihi. So, so after that, after that, so, so, um, so it's something, if something's khafif, it means that it's light, right? Um, yeah, that he lightened for islahi, his, um, his islah, that's my other phone, his islah, his, um, the verb, um, aslaha means to, like, rectify something or to correct something, um, yeah, so um, we, we, know, we know the term, like if someone is salih, it means they're kind of righteous. Um, but uh, yeah, to, to make someone right is islah. So in his islah, lean, a more lenient way. Some of you might have come across the term lean before. Um, yeah, some of you might have come across that before. When you're learning about um, Arabic letters, you come across harf lean and harf med. Um, and med are kind of you know extended letters and lean are the kind of softer letters. Um, yeah, he took a more a, a softer way with him. Thank you very much for ever corrected me in a previous video. I was always using I was always saying because we know the name right and sometimes when we're kind of switching between explanations in English and, and in Arabic, we forget that Arabic names that are especially Adafa names. Um, especially Adafa names. Um, uh, yeah. Um, what is it? So especially Adafa names. The the Mudaf will um, yeah. The Mudaf will um will take a different haraka basically. So it's a different case. So there was just a quick question that I thought was important. I think I saw it right. Uh, oh, it is, isn't it? It's أخفقت. Sorry, أخفقت actually would make sense in another way, but means to fail. That, that works anyway. So, so um, yeah, after after he failed for islahi, rather than rather than after he lightened his uh, his uh, his punishment for islahi, 
Um, yeah, it's achfaqat rather than achfafat. To achfafa something can mean to make something lighter or softer, but achfaqa means to fail. Jazakallah khair for pointing that out. Um, cool. Walakin ala ad-deen, but ala ad-deen, lam yubali. Well, it, it doesn't actually lam yubali, or it might be actually yubali, yubali. Yeah, it is, it is yubali. It would normally be yubali, but because it's a fi'il majzum, it's being squeezed, and that long year on the end is becoming kasra. Lam yubali. Bi'iqabi abihi. Good. So lam yubali means he doesn't care. You know, he didn't care. He didn't um, take heed of. The iqab of his abi. You know, that's just another adhafa. Bi'iqabi abihi. Walam yu'athir fihi. And he was not affected by it. The verb athara fi something means to, means to affect something. Um, good. Zajruhu wa shiddatuhu. Good. We've seen zajr. The zajr is the rebuking and the shidda is the severeness. وَمَا زَالَ كَذَلِكُمْ حَتَّى يَئِسَ أَبُوهُ مِنْ إِصْلَاحِهِ وَمَا زَالَ مَا زَالَ means to remain being something or to still be something. And it remained كَذَلِك It remained كَذَلِكُمْ It remained like that حَتَّى يَئِسَ So حَتَّى يَئِسَ What is يَئِسَ? It means to, um, to give up on something. So وَمَا زَالَ كَذَلِكُمْ حَتَّى يَئِسَ أَبُوهُ and it remained like that until his father gave up min islahihi. His father gave up on correcting him, gave up on trying to make him more saleh. Um, should we pause there? I was thinking, um, because we're doing this video live, we can maybe read until the whole end of the next faqirah, to the next the whole of the next um, uh, paragraph. But we can pause there, inshallah, if you want to, and we can talk through anything that I mentioned. Um, but I think it'd be nice because there's a nice little bait of poetry at the bottom that we read down to. So I thought it'd be nice for us to read all the way down to that one, inshallah. So, um, good. Okay. Um, ask some questions, inshallah. Um, I'll have a look at it and if I can get to them. Um, yes, good. Jazakallah khair. Uh, last week we stopped at Bila Fa'ida without a benefit. And, uh, yeah, Jazakallah khair. I believe that's Faris. I can't see very well because I've got lights on, um, glaring at me. But um, yeah, Jazakallah khair. Laysa akhfafat bal akhfaqat. Naam, saddaqta ya akhi. You, you spoke the truth, ya akhi. Um, good. Uh, we'll give it a couple of minutes to see if you guys have any questions, inshallah. Um, if not, I'll move on uh, rapidly, inshallah. I'll move on bisara'ah. Um, especially for the guys on the podcast who are going to be listening to this afterwards as well. We don't want to long it out for them. But uh, if you have any questions at all, we'll give it. Another 10 seconds, inshallah, in case you guys have any questions. And I'm going to pour myself some coffee. Cool. Maybe while we're waiting, I'll just read some of it out again. So, And then we'll, we'll leave out the, the, the ma'ana in there. بعد أن أخفقت جزاك الله خير أخفقت في إصلاحه وسائل اللين ولكن على الدين لم يبالي بعقاب أبيه ولم يؤثر فيه زجره وشدته وما زال كذلكم حتى يأس أبوه من إصلاحه عندنا سؤال 
Um, so it's not um, it's not um, it's not tasa'ala. It's wasailu, wasail. Um, it is maktub, waw, seen, alif, hamza, lam. Wasail. It means a means of doing something. Um, was an example that I gave of it being social media. It's, it's kind of used as a medium of something. And a lean, it means it's more lenient. Yeah. Okay, we'll carry on then, inshallah. We'll read a little bit more. Okay, so this third chapter is. Um, oh, good. So it means um, a softer approach, I guess. Um, yeah. To have a softer approach with your children. Good. Okay, so. So in the dukkan, a dukkan is specifically a, a shop, the plural of which is dakakin. Dukkan, a shop. Abi, the shop of his father. Fi dukkani abihi. Good. Good. So, if we're ready, inshallah, we shall, uh, we shall continue. Jayid. Okay, so. Wallaja'a abuhu ila akhiri wasilatin. Good. Wallaja'a. Well, a lot of you might even know the term lajiun or lajiin, meaning refugees. And the term on its own, lajiak, means kind of to take refuge in something. But when you illa something, notice after abuhu, there's the preposition. It means to resort to something. So his father had to resort to something. His father had to resort to akhir wasilatin, to the last, the last option, really. It doesn't mean an option, but it, it means his last way. You know, it means his last, um, yeah, it's his last, his last choices. Just that he had, right? So, um, and his father, his father resorted to the last, his last, his last, um, you know, his last option, really, is how we translate it. Although wasila doesn't necessarily mean an option. Um, it means a, a way or a means. فَأَخَذَهُ مَعَهُ إِلَى الدُّكَانِهِ لِيُعَلِّمَهُ حِرْفَةَهُ What is a hirfa? We'll get to it, inshallah. So, فَأَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ means to take. Um, the the imperative of it is خُذ Often with the, well, always with these verbs that begin with an alif with a hamza on top, like أَكَلَ and أَخَذَ Their um, commands becoming like the um, the uh, the full pattern, like كُلْ or um or khud. So, anyways, so he took him. What is the who referring to? It's referring to his son, right? It's referring to Ala Uddin. So he took him with him. The with him being Ma'ahu ila dukkanihi to his dukkan, to his shop. Limadha liyu'allimahu liyu'allimahu to um to teach him. You know the verb. Um, is to teach somebody something. Um, good. Um, what is this li at the beginning? And why is there a fatha on the end of li yu'allima? Well, this lamb does that. Um, it's sort of short for li'anna. So that he can, or li'kay. Li'kay 
يعلم لكي يعلم so that he can teach him حرفة حرفة is a craft a حرفة I know we talked about that actually previously I can't remember the actual word that was used before about his father teaching him um, it might have been or something which would تنفرهو um, you know لما كبرا or something like that it's a, a, a trade or a craft that would benefit him when he's older but anyway, here we have the term hirfa. Um My dyslexic brain would read that, would try to read that harf, but because um, we're more familiar with that term. But a a hirfa, alhamdulillah, we have the harakat in here, so uh, it's nice and easy to read. So to teach him hirfatahu, teach him his craft. His craft is that he is a khayyat, that he is a, a tailor. Um, wakana... وَكَانَ يَبْذُلُ وُسْعَهُ فِي تَحْبِيبِ الْعَمَلِ إِلَيْهِ Good. So, يَبْذُلُ So that, that's kind of an expression in and of itself which translates quite nicely actually. Using the verb, um, I believe it's بَذَلَ يَبْذُلُ And then وُسْعَهُ So it's like he's doing his best. You know, بَذَلَ doesn't necessarily mean doing, but that has an expression together. يَبْذُلُ وُسْعَهُ It means he's he did his... He did his best, you know, that this term wusa, even though it comes from um, the same root as the word wursia, meaning something vast or expansive. Um, a wusa is your capacity. Um, you know, that there's this, this really nice ayah um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in surah, in surah al-talaq, I believe it is. لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. That, that Allah doesn't charge a soul. Allah doesn't burden a soul. Um, except wusaha, except it's wusaha. Um, for those of you joining now, um, it is important for you guys. Um, uh, yeah, you can go, go to a previous video, inshallah. If you want to get hold of this text, go to a previous video. Um, go to a previous episode of the same series. So the Aladdin series, either episode one or two. And in the description of that video, will be a link to this PDF, inshallah. Um, yeah. Um, Good. And the ayah that I just mentioned, it may there may be something similar in Surah Al-Baqarah. That there are similar there are similar ayat, right? That of a, of a similar ma'ana. But that particular one I'm thinking of is Surah Al-Talaq because I was memorizing that surah or I was revising it when my first child was born, when when Yusuf was born, and um, yeah, there was a pretty difficult time. Big blessing, obviously, but it's difficult as well, especially you know got. No money, and I'd only be married for ten months and stuff. So, but but anyways, anyways, so we'll continue, inshallah. But anyway, so that expression we're talking about, you know, yabdulu that he tried his best in what? Fi tahbib al-amali ilayhi. So fi tahbib, he was trying his best in the tahbib. So um. So um, yeah, the tahbib. We know this term hub, right? Hub meaning love. But if if the verb ahabba is to to love somebody, what about habbaba? Um, and the mustard of habbaba would be tahbib. So to to instill love for something in him, right? So he tried his best in tahbib al-amal to make him love the amal, to make him love the work. Ilayhi. I assume that um I haven't actually seen the verb used, but I assume I assume habbaba ilayhi. That habbaba ila is a verb and is kind of. That's the meaning in and of itself. So, تحبيب العمل إليه would mean like to instill love upon him or to him for the work. Good. ولكن 
not walakin, walakinahu rather. Walakinahu ma in yaturukuhu fidukanihi. Walakinahu, but he ma in. So ma in in and of itself is just something that's worth for you guys who have got the PDF you've printed out in front of you. Just highlight that and just give it a meaning. It means as soon as he did something or once he did something. So once yatrukuhu fidukanihi, once he left him in his shop. You know, maybe he went out to go and get supplies or whatever. Once he left him in his shop, this next thing happened. Qalilan min zaman A little bit of time. Once he left him in the shop, qalilan min zaman Hatta yarhuba minhu. So, so, yeah, until he... Um, yahruba. Did I say yarhuba? Yar, yah, yahruba it is, because it's from the same... We'll talk about its root in a second, actually. So um, the verb haraba, yahrubu, is uh, to escape from somewhere. Um, so until he escaped, he uh, yeah he got out. Yeah, he would just go. He would just leave, right? Like his dad would. Yatrukuhu fidukanihi qalilan min zaman. He'd leave him in his shop for a little bit of zaman, a little bit of time, and he'd escape. You know, he'd just run off. Wiyqti baqiyata yomihi. Uh, Very good. So he would spend yaqdi. We've talked about this verb before. Qada yaqdi meaning to spend, but not to spend money, rather to spend time. Baqiya. Baqiya means the rest or the remaining. Gonna give you a little cool little etymology factor. I love etymology. So um the baqiya, we've talked about the verb baqiya, yabqa, meaning for something to stay or to remain. So it's saying he spent the remaining, the baqiya. But um you know, have any of you guys ever been to Spain, by the way? There's a really famous Spanish food, paella, right? And I've read that it comes from the term boquilla, paella, boquilla. It would make sense they wouldn't have the car because Spanish doesn't have a calf in it. So, so like, if you think, if we replace it just for the purpose of this, for this explanation, with, like, the way the Egyptians say the calf, which is an eh, they'd say paella. You can say how paella would turn to paella. Do you see what I mean? Obviously... Um, Spanish has a P as well, and, and Arabic doesn't, so that you can see how that B could, could become a P. So, baqiyya to paella, because I think paella traditionally was made with leftovers of food, right? Like leftover seafood and rice and whatever. N now it isn't. Like, now it's like a traditional food that people purpose make for them all the time, right? You get it in any restaurant, you know. Well, not any restaurant in Spain. Is, you know, they have other kinds of restaurants in Spain, obviously. But like any Spanish restaurant, you, you get paella. And it's not made of the leftovers, I promise you. Um, yeah, but I think that's its origins. And that's kind of where the word comes from. Um, it actually comes from this word. Baqiya. Uh, Baqiya. Which is from the verb baqiya. Good. Baqiyata. And he spent the remaining of yomihi of his day fillehu. Lehu is um, just frivolousness. You know, just waste, wasting their time. Well, um, uh, and playing mara oshabihi with his friends. We we heard a a um, the author previously had used mara ashbahihi. I think with his with his contemporaries or with with those who are like him. Good mara oshabihi. So, uh, yeah, whenever his father would just leave him in the shop to go and do something, he would escape and go and spend the rest of the day with his friends. Good. OK, we're coming to the end now. So, فَعَلِمَ أَبُوهُ أَنَّ وَلَدَهُ لَنْ يُصْلِحَهُ وَيُرَبِّيَهُ إِلَّا الزَّمَنُ وَحْدَهُ 
Very nice. So, فَعَلِمَ أَبُوهُ So his father knew. أَنَّ وَلَدِهُ That's his father. لَنْ يُصْلِحَهُ He will not be, he will not get islahified. He will not be made righteous. He will not be corrected. وَيُرَبِّيَهُ um, He will not be raised. Um, the verb رَبَّ يُرَبِّي means to, to raise someone. You know, it's um, the, the term tarbiya comes from that same root as well. Like tarbiya means like, your upbringing, I guess, but it can be by teachers as well. It might not just be be by your parents who do your tarbiya, but um, it means kind of your upbringing. So not not necessarily like education in academic stuff, but to do with your to do with your akhlaq, to do with your khuluq, to do with your your etiquette. Illa azamanu wahdahu. So it's only time that will teach him. You know, um, very good. Okay, yeah, it will only be time that will teach him. وَأَيْقَنَ أَنَّ دُرُوسَ الْحَيَاةِ الْقَاسِيَةِ كَفِيلَةٌ And then it puts a synonym for it, ضَامِنَةٌ That's actually a really old tradition, by the way. I'll just mention that, like putting an explanation in brackets afterwards. The brackets are new, but um, even if you read classical Arabic texts from like, I don't know, a thousand years ago or whatever, it's quite a common Arabic habit to put a word and just put a synonym after it as well. I think it's a way of authors just to show off how much they know sometimes. But, um, but anyway. So that isn't something new. That's something that you'll find in even classical te text as well. Good. So, um, so وَأَيْقَنَا أَنَّ دُرُوسَ الْحَيَاةِ أَنَّ دُرُوسَ الْحَيَاةِ الْقَاسِيَةِ كَفِيلَةٌ بِالتَّقْوِيمِهِ وَتَهْذِيبِهِ Very nice. So the verb أَيْقَنَا means to realize something. It's a form of four verb. أَيْقَنَا أَنَّ دُرُوسَ الْحَيَاةِ So he realized that's the دُرُوسِ the studies or the the, the life lessons, um, al qasiya means cruel, right? So, so he he realized that life's cruel lessons, you know, like the cruel lessons of life or something like that. Um, kafilatun will be a kafila. The best of my understanding, right? A kafila is uh, like a sponsor or a patron of something. And the term dhamin means a guarantor. Um, I think we actually have the verb dhamina, yodmonu, um, in the Arabic in 60 Steps program, in one of the vocabularies we actually have it. The verb means to guarantee something. A dhamin is a guarantor. But, um, yeah, it's saying that, um, uh, yeah, that that, um, that that life's lessons will be will be the thing that raises him, right? That life's cruel lessons will be the thing that raises him. Bitaqwimihi. So... I mean, taqweem, we actually have that word in um, Surah Al-Teen, I think. That we created mankind in the greatest of taqweem. It usually gets translated just being like a form. Um, yeah, that's how that goes. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so, so it's saying that life's cruel lessons... Will be his, will be his guarantor, or will be his sponsor. Will be the thing that kind of raises him, in his, in his taqwim or tahvib. Those two things they really mean the same thing in here. Like in his, in his making, right? Very nice. Okay, and then we have a little bait of poetry. We have uh, two little shotters of poetry. So what is what is this little bit of poetry? Men lem yu walidahu. Nice. So, So, the verb um, is to do with adab, um, or adab, 
um, meaning kind of your meaning, meaning your etiquette, really, your adab. Um, yeah, yeah, it does mean a calendar as well. It does mean a calendar as well, but I don't, I don't think it means a calendar here. But yeah, but but you're right. That comment sounded sarcastic, but it's, it's really not. It's useful to know that it means a calendar. It, it does mean that in Fusha as well. Like if if you look up the meaning for a calendar, it will give you taqwim as well, such as akalal khair. Um, yeah, good. So man lam yu So whoever does not, does not. Let, let's just say um. Um, what what's a good word in English for like giving adab to your children? Um, let's just say like raise them well. We, we have the term if someone's well brought up. If someone has good adab, it means that they are well brought up. Um, so let's just say whoever, whoever, uh, and also it's not walidahu, it's walidahu. So it's the walidani it's talking about. But there's hadhfinun, you're taking the noon off the end because of the hu on the end. So it means the two parents. It doesn't just mean his, um, it doesn't just mean his, um, let's use nurturing for this actually. Jazakallah khair for that suggestion, inshallah. Um, so, so whoever, whoever is not nurtured by his two parents, day and night will nurture him, you know, or whoever isn't raised by his parents, the night and day will raise him. But by meaning that the turning of the night and day will, will raise him, like time will raise him. Um, yeah, so whoever's parents do not raise their child properly, um, you know, it will be the responsibility of time to, to raise them. I mean, that's some neglect going on there if you're leaving your, if you're leaving your children's edeb up to laylu wan naharu. Good, so, yeah, we see the verb edebe used there. Um, and laylu, layl just means the night. Um, sometimes you see a Layla with a termod bota. And if it's a name, I've taught girls called Layla before. Usually the name is written with an Elif Maksura. Um, and Nahar means the day, but it doesn't mean a day as in Yom, because a Yom means a day, like a 24 hour day. Um, but a Nahar means the daytime. Yes. Um, Layla and Nahar, they're used kind of as, as a pair usually. Um, good. So that's it. I think that's enough. We've covered quite a lot. We've covered more in this lesson than what we do in what we do normally. I usually just do a few lines, but we've done like a paragraph, paragraph and a half in this case. So, um, yeah, it's a cute little, um, cute little bait of poetry to do at the end. Um, another little note as well, by the way, I'm, I'm using like I'm using some poetry terms here. So. So, by the way, a bait means like a couplet of poetry. Um yeah, a bait is a couple of poetry, and a shotter is just one of those. Um, yeah, it's just one of them, right? So you have two shotters, you have shotrani in one bait, and the plural isn't buyut, by the way. Um, if you if a bait, if you use the word baiton to mean a house, the plural is buyut, but if you're using that plural to mean verses of poetry, it's abiat. Um, good. Um, yeah, good, good. So, um... So that's everything. We'll open up to questions, inshallah. Um, initially, try to keep questions to do with this text. And then if you want to move on to anything else, you want to ask me about anything else at all, then um, then please feel free to do so, inshallah. So, um, yeah, let me uh, let me bring you guys in a little bit. I can't actually move you closer. You're close enough, inshallah, for me to see. You might be able to hear my son, by the way, outside. Um, yeah.
yeah, if you have any questions at all, just stick them in. Um, hopefully we've done everything quite clearly, inshallah. So then hopefully there shouldn't be too many questions. But if you do have any, please don't be shy. Um, please ask away. Um, yeah, please ask away. Naam, tahbib. Naam, tahbib. Huwa mustaru habbaba. Tahbib. Barakallahu feek. Yeah, good. So, illa zamanu wahdahu. Good. So, it means time alone. Um, the term wahdahu, we even use it when we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes. Wahdahu la sharika So, him alone, la sharika lahu. That there is no partner with him. So, um, yeah, illa, except a zaman, time, the, the concept of time. A zamanu wahdahu. Except time alone. Um, is, is that clear? Hopefully that's clear, inshallah. Yeah, so let me, let me give you some context, inshallah, as well, just so we, just we can um, cement it a little bit in our understanding, inshallah. So, um, let me try to find it again. Why can't I find it? Okay, good. So, um, okay, so it says, Lan yuslihahu wa yurabbiyahu. So, so, yeah, this is saying, like, nothing will, nothing will make him right, yuslihahu, or, or nurture him, or raise him, yurabbiyahu, illa except except time alone or, or in other words time alone will um, will raise him um, time alone will correct him you know um, it's a little bit like I don't know in English we say things like he'll learn from his mistakes um, um, uh, examples with ma in okay we'll maybe do some of those inshallah if I can think of some off the top of my head um so yeah, ma'in, meaning wants. Um, um, let's, let's find the example in here so I can kind of build some examples around it. Um, okay, so the example that we have here is ma'in yatrukuhu fiddukanihi. So once he left him in his shop. So if we say something like... Um, um, ما إن ما إن ما إن تدرس اللغة العربية. Once you study Arabic, um, ف um, um, فانتهز فرصة لتقرأ العربية. Something like that. So once you learn Arabic. Um, you'll be able to take the opportunity to read the Quran or something like that. Um, yeah, that's an example just off the top of my head. It's not a usual, it's not a common expression though. Ma'in. Um, yeah, that's the first time it's used in this text as well. Um, yeah. uh, we have, um, <laughs> hey, what's up, mate? Yo, how you doing? How you doing? 
uh, out of the first, but um, Lulzlers, yes, the singular which is Lulz. Um, I believe I talk about that a little bit in um, in a lesson that I do on the on the bait of Al Mutanabbi, where he says, "Ida If you see the um, Nuyub, if you see the canines um, of a leaf, of a lion, a bird is at hand, sort of protruding, you see them clearly. Then, then do not think that the lion is smiling. Um, in that lesson, I think I actually broke down the different kinds of teeth in it. Because a Nuyub are canines. Um, uh, I, the way I remember that is um, it's also used for tusks with elephants. Um, Nuyub, so with that knowledge, kind of makes sense, they'd be canines. Yeah, um, Dorus, um, yeah, are molars, your molar teeth, the ones at the back, and Esnan are the usual kind of, it's kind of a generic term for teeth. You use Esnan as well when you're talking about writing letters in Arabic. Like, you know how like the letter Sin and the letter Sheen? In Arabic, you describe that as having three teeth. Um, yeah, um, yeah, or some words like the name, like the word Selsebil. It has a lot of teeth in it because there's, there's two scenes in it. Um, shout out to an old student of mine called Selsebil. I don't know if she's watching this, but uh, yeah, I used to have a student called Selsebil. Um, yeah. Where are we? Um, we have some. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. So, um, I was laughing at a comment about wearing the merch in America, but um, so um, Ferdis has a good question. So, ما الفرق بين الضروس والدروس? Very nice question. So, الضروس with a ضاد is the molar teeth, but دروس with a with a دال is the plural of الدرس. الدرس is a lesson. دروس are lessons. So, um, or, or even studies. Um, even studies it can be. Um, دروس الإسلامية. Um, yeah, or دروس الإسلامي. Durus al-Islam would be the uh, the Islamic studies. Durus al-Islamiyya, I, I think sounds nice. Durus al-Islamiyya, Islamic studies. Um, yeah, so it's the plural of Dars, that's the difference. Um, good, yeah. Yeah, the merch is nice, isn't it? Our, our designer, um, uh, yeah, so yes, yeah, so the sister who's our designer, she's um, from Hijr Designs. She's done some amazing work for us, mashallah. Um, yeah, the books look really nice, and um, I rushed actually to set up this live. I don't even have I don't even have my uh, Arabic in sixty steps mug even. Such a sellout. I have an IKEA one. It'll never do, will it? So, yeah. yeah, in the last two videos, I'm wearing the, my, my black one because I actually wear it. Like, unfortunately, I'm a large now. Imagine that. Sounds a big boy. Yeah, or a large now. It's all got a bit personal all of a sudden. Now I feel self-conscious and I uh, feel like I'm justifying myself. I'm going to start justifying myself about why I wear a large, even though I'm only five foot something. Um, do you know what annoys me? Actually, oh, this is the wrong audience for that, actually. If I was, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that there's a Somali brother who's an MMA fighter. He's just turned pro. And I had him on, um, on like a talk show that I did not so long ago. And he's a bit taller than me, and he fights at flyweight. Do you know how heavy people are at flyweight? They're 125 pounds. What's that in kilos? Someone tell me what that is in kilos. He's taller than me, and he fights at flyweight. 
that's mental, isn't it? If I if if I was competing in MMA, I'd I'd have to fight a well I'd have to fight a welterweight if I cut down. But at the moment, I'd be like a heavy middleweight, and that's maybe lay off um, some food for a bit. Maybe practice fasting a little bit more. Um, I'll keep losing track of the. Uh, Um. Uh, good, yeah, the live was good, alhamdulillah. Yeah, I think it went well, alhamdulillah. Uh, but we're still doing it, if you have any more questions, inshallah. I'm probably still just going to long this out until the hour. Um, I'll probably just hang out with you guys if you have any questions at all, then uh, go ahead. Um, uh, yes, 501 Arabic verbs. Um, yeah, I do suggest that, actually. I think it's good for you to have. Um, it's not the most kind of um, comprehensive book of verbs ever like there's obviously lots missing i mean arabic's massive but I, I find it's useful just to um just to kind of correct your um you know just to kind of yeah correct your conjugations and stuff i think it's just good practice to have it um yeah so i do recommend it um so um saratan qahwatu baridan so is it <laughs> Yeah, you're attentive, mashallah. Um, so, okay, so, sarat, musara, or asbaha, both of them mean the same thing. But the thing is, is that you need to make the barid, you need to make that, um, uh, you need to make that more enneth, you need to make that feminine as well, because of the qahwata. Sarat al qahwatu, sarat al qahwatu baridatan. It has become cold. The coffee has become cold. Jayid. How long does the Arabic in 60 steps program take? Students typically complete it between six and 18 months, typically. Although some students joined three years ago. No, it's not been running for three years. Has it been running for three years? It will be this year. Some students joined two years ago, let's say, and, and haven't completed it. Do you know what I mean? So like so like some some students will complete it in six months. I've had people complete it quicker. Some I've had people who are like pretty advanced Arabic language students and they complete it in like a few months but there are exceptions like those are usually people who are doing it just to revise or or, or sometimes students who are quite advanced but they do the Arabic in 60 steps program just because they want access to the last nine lessons because we do in the last nine lessons we do walkthroughs of Arabic texts and there aren't many other channels to, to be honest I don't know anyone online who teaches that um but anyway yes yeah, so the last nine lessons are um um yeah, last nine lessons are walkthroughs of Arabic texts, and we, some of them, they make me so excited. Like I'm teaching them. Um, one of them is a walkthrough of a travel writing by an author called Ibn Fadlan, who uh, is under the caliphate of Al Muqtadir, and he's sent to Russia to go and learn about the people called the Rusiya, the people who we we know we know as the the, the Rus rather. We know them as the Vikings, right? I think the Vikings are like descendants of the Rus, or the other way around. But um, but he goes there. So he's like this Muslim Arab from Iraq in like the 900s. And he goes to like modern day Kazan in Russia. And there's this there's this trade between the Rus and the Arabs. And it's just fascinating, like reading about how this person over a thousand years ago describes these people and their religion and their language and, and all this kind of stuff, what they look like, what they dressed like, what things they carried around, what they used to trade and stuff is fascinating. You know, the Rus, they absolutely loved the, the, the gold dinars. They absolutely loved them. 
like they'd come and they'd bring furs and all kinds of stuff that they had from their, you know, from their kind of local places. You know, a big one was fur, um, you know, because obviously you don't get a lot of bears and wolves and stuff and things that have warm fur in in Iraq, I guess. Um, yeah, so they would trade them and yeah. But anyway, it's fascinating though um, that we can actually through we can learn Arabic through the Arabic in sixty steps program, and at the end we can, um, um, yeah, we can actually, uh, you know, see this little pocket of his world um, that this person a thousand years ago explored. So, so, so anyway, so some students, even very advanced students, will do the program just because they want access to that. Uh, do you do private lessons as well? Not at the moment. Um, not at the moment, I don't. I'm, I'm just too busy with the Arabic in 60 Steps program. Um, it's something I think about sometimes, but it's really difficult because there's a lot of benefits to doing that, right? Like, like when you do that a lot as an Arabic teacher, you stay really sharp, like you, you you remain as a practitioner, but it gets to a point where it's just really hard to sell your time. Like like I've got a wife and children, right? Let me let me level with you. I've got a wife and children, right? And like who I provide for. And it's just really hard to justify selling your time for what most people want to pay for for a tutor. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's really hard to justify it. Like most people don't want to pay fair actually fair amounts. Like imagine if you had to hire someone else who has like an Arabic program. Say like you, had, you wanted to hire Norman Ali Khan. Yeah. You know, but in the TV generates like a million dollars a year, at least. Right. Like, like I, I, I had a one to one like business session with someone who used to be um, quite a senior employee, might have been COO or something um, at Bayina. And when when he left, Bayina TV did like, I don't know, like I, th I think they had something like 70,000 paying members. Right. 70,000, 70,000 people paying $11 a month. Right. Like, uh, how much would Norman Ali Khan need to charge for his time to make it worth it for him? $1,000? Like, $2,000 an hour? Like, who's paying that? Who's going to pay that? That's not my case, obviously. I'm not, I'm not Norman Ali Khan out here. <laughs> but, but, like, but when you have a program and stuff and you're reaching a lot more students, it's, it's just hard. It's, it's hard to think of the right way to be able to sit down with one for an hour and to be able to charge something that's fair. Um... That doesn't really answer your question. I suppose the answer to your question is not at the moment, but that could change. Um, yeah, that could change to offer privates, inshallah. Um, so uh, what do you think about the madrasa way in terms of learning Arabic? It all works, man. Um, it all works. Like, I, I don't ever put down other ways of learning Arabic because if there have been successful students from it, respect. Do you know what I mean? Like, the all I've ever said, right, is that the best program is the one you're actually going to do. Like, some people actually sit down and do a program because they like the design of the cover. They go on Amazon and they find a book and they like the design of the cover, and that's why they keep on wanting to sit down with that book every day and practice. If that's your thing, you do you. Like, I'm not going to criticise that. If it works for you, I'm not going to criticise it. No chance, right? So, um, I mean, lots of people have learned Arabic if in the way that you refer to as, like, the madrasa way. Um, although, although what you might mean, what I, what well, I'm going to kind of make an assumption about what you're saying, but what you might mean is, in in our in our madaris, a lot of the time people aren't actually learning Arabic, right? They're usually learning hivs, they're they're learning they're memorizing the Quran and Islamic studies, right? Like, but that's not Arabic. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, that isn't a great way to learn Arabic. 
right? But but if there's in a, in a, if a madrasa is teaching Arabic, it's probably going to be through the Medina books, right? Like more kind of traditional institutions tend to teach through the Medina books or the gateway to Arabic books. They tend to, right? Like if it's from a young age and the students can get into it, cool. But uh, I think Arabic teachers in this country who take it upon ourselves to think about what these resources are written for. Like the Medina books were not written to teach children in the UK. They weren't written for that. Like they were written to teach already very motivated students of Islamic knowledge in a Arabic speaking environment with students from a lot of different countries. Right. So the, the Medina books typically won't use English as the medium for teaching. Right. Like the, the first lessons start out using things like, you know, you can use things in the classroom to, to demonstrate it. That's what it's for. And it works for them. Like. The, you know, it's no secret that the University of Med the Islamic University of Medina produces phenomenal Arabic speakers. Like, obviously, do you know what I mean? So it, it works. But I think sometimes we hurt our young students a bit too much by applying the wrong curriculum for the wrong place, maybe um, for, for children and stuff in our madrasa. Those are just some loose comments that I would make. Um, so, yeah, comment from Mohammed Omar. Uh, the 60 steps program is very good honestly jazakallah khair i appreciate that so much practice is the key i started reading subtitles a lot and practice with a lot of text um it needs dedication for sure yeah it does for sure 100 percent. yeah um you're saying it depends on the person yes everything depends on the person everything does do you know what i mean and it also depends how you're learning right like something that i've really taken upon myself with the arabic in 60 steps program is to make it appropriate for adult westerners adult westerners being the key right and my my analytics show me that most of my students are from the usa and canada as well i know that you guys in your education system in the usa and canada you learn grammar at school learning grammar at school is quite new for us here in the uk like i didn't know what a noun or an adjective was until i learned other languages when i was like 18 that's not the case for you guys in the usa and canada i know like in the usa you guys like grammar do you know what i mean like you guys have probably learned grammar from a young <laughs> from a young age you know so because i know that I don't mind being a bit grammar heavy in it because it's appropriate for Westerner adults who are Muslims usually, right? So like I've written my curriculum for that. Um, you know, like the Arabic in 60 Steps program might not be that appropriate to teach to, you know, four-year-old kids in an Arabic school for like a, I don't know, Moroccan community Arabic school. Do you know what I mean? Like here in the UK, I don't know if you guys in the USA and Canada and stuff have, have these as well, but sometimes like Arab communities have their own schools. Like maybe they go to an Arabic language speaking school on the weekends and stuff. It probably wouldn't be appropriate for that, right? Because it's written for Muslim, adult Muslim, you know, adult adult Muslims living in the West, typically, um, who are consuming online, right? So, you know, so the video delivery format and the audio formats and stuff and, you know, how we kind of mix up the different mediums of actually delivering the lesson content and stuff that that's all for that purpose so um so yeah um, it does depend on the person um you know but also who that person is in terms of like where they're from stuff like that can i read classical texts after completing this program you can read lots of classical texts yes um i wouldn't want to make the promise that you can read all of them because i can't read all of them um and, and also it's it's really hard to, with something with so many variables like a language, like Arabic with like tens of thousands of words in the active vocabulary, it's with, when you have things that have that many variables, it's really hard to promise performance of the students. Like something really commonly the students ask me is like, will I be a fluent speaker after I finish the programme? And I, I think that's a little bit like, 
it's a little bit like me going to my jiu-jitsu, my jiu-jitsu dojo and saying to my teacher, will I always be safe if I learn this? Like if you learn self-defense martial art and you say, will I always be safe? They can't promise that because there's too many variables. Like, you know, and also they because you can perform in the dojo doesn't necessarily mean you can perform on the road. Do, do you know what I mean? If something happens to you. So like, um, you know, so, and it's the same with Arabic. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want to say to students, yeah, you'll be fluent. Don't you worry about that. And then students to graduate and then have a conversation with, with you know, Ragil Masri. And he's speaking, you know, Egyptian lehege, and he say, and he says to you, you know, um, and you don't quite know how to respond to it because you wouldn't. I can't, I can't promise that you'd be fluent, but, um, um, so that's my answer. Sorry. Wa alaikum salam. What is keeping you busy these days, brother? I don't know if that's a charged question. Um, does Akhi, are you implying in the question I should be doing something else? I, I don't know if that's I don't know if it's a charged question. I don't know. Like I, I I'd know if you were with me, Akhi, because you know, because I'd be able to see you and stuff. But 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 just to answer the question, what's keeping me busy? My wife and my children keep me very busy. Uh, my eldest Yusuf is four, and like we're trying to get him into school, inshallah. And then my youngest Eunice is one, so they're keeping me very busy. Um, I'm trying to improve myself all the time. That's something that I've always thought about. Like although like I'm an Arabic teacher and and I love the craft of it and actually you know putting in the time with my students, I feel like I'm quite entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I want to better myself, and so I'm reading every day. Um, I take cold showers every day. That's the thing I've been doing for quite a while now. Um, Try to eat better and work out more. Um, as stated in the, earlier in this video, a bit of a fatty now. I don't know if I'm a fatty or if I'm just thickly set. Some people are just thick. Like, if you see my big brother, those who follow me on Instagram, you might have seen my big brother. He's a thick boy. You know, me and our family were just heavy boys. Um, <laughs> no, it didn't come out that way, actually. It didn't come out. I'm just being self-conscious, I suppose, maybe. Maybe I've got a guilty conscience. There's something I should be doing, but... Um, yeah, it didn't come out wrong, I, uh, you know, but, but anyways, so that, um, you know, thinking about how to better the Arabic in 60 Steps program, um, at the moment we're kind of restricted, like, I love jujitsu, but I can't train really, because we can't, we can't spar and stuff at the moment, um, yeah, so a lot of things are on hold at the moment, but between my family, um, Arabic in 60 Steps program, and then just other ways of trying to better myself, at the moment, these are the books I'm reading, um, with my reading, I like to have a weekday book, um, something to kind of improve myself, something around business or something around mindset or something like that. Something that's like I'm actually improving. So this one, Psycho-Cybernetics, is what I'm reading at the moment. It's about mindset. Um, that's my weekday book. And then my weekend book is Sapiens. Um, yeah, this is a really highly recommended book. Um, some of it, I, I really disagree with some of the nonsense in it. But um, I'm reading Sapiens on the on the weekends. Um, it kind of reads like a non it reads like a fiction book, like a novel, and um, so it reads nicely. Um, but um, I like reading about humans. Generally, I find us a very fascinating creation. Um, yeah, so I like reading about human psychology, um, sort of why we think the way that we do, why we structure ourselves the way that we do. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated in human beings. Um, that's kind of why I'm so fascinated in language, really. Like, 
you know, sophisticated language, being able to articulate ourselves is really what takes us out of the animal kingdom. You know, like we, we can articulate things that, I mean, that, that there are, there are animals that have far more, you know, linguistic dexterity than us, if I can put it in that, that way, like parrots, for example, and other kinds of birds, they can not only, they can not only, um, you know, they're, they're not only um, able to produce an array of sounds, but they can also copy inanimate sounds. Like parrots and stuff can copy the sounds of doorbells and phones ringing and stuff. Like they've got way more dexterity than us in terms of the sounds they can create. But it's only humans that can articulate things that aren't physical, aren't in a physical reality. And, you know, I think it's so beautiful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the, the Quran as a lisan, as a tongue, you know, associates the, the Quran so directly with what makes us human and what takes us out of the animal kingdom. You'll notice that even parrots, right, and other animals as well, they don't communicate with their lisan. They use their tongue. They use their throats, rather. Or even whales and stuff, they use this thing on their head and stuff, and they click and things like that. But it's only humans that actually use our tongue um, for articulating our language. So it's fascinating how Allah describes the Qur'an as a lisan. Um, anyways, um, before... You were chubby, man. <laughs> but now you're looking pretty good. Oh, alhamdulillah. I don't know why. I'll go through stages of it. Maybe as we come into the winter, I'll fatten up a little bit more. It's sad, man. No, I want to sort myself out, inshallah. Um, you know, like, man, I used to be in decent shape. I played rugby for Cornwall. Like, I was captain of the Cornish rugby team. There's even, there are players who play for England now for the England rugby team, who I played with. In fact, one who, a guy who starts often for England, a winger called Jack Knoll, I was ahead of him in the Cornish team. He played for the B team and I was in the A team. I competed with him for the same position, for inside or outside centre, and I got it in the A team and he was put in the B team, but he plays for England now. So I wasn't always a chubby, a chubby one. But, um, okay, let's, let's do some, let's return back to some Arabic stuff, inshallah, and then I'll, I'll head off. Uh, how can I learn new vocabulary? Also, how to use Arabic dictionary. So how can you learn new vocabulary? So I don't believe in learning uh, learning vocabulary isolated. I believe in learning it in context. So I believe in creating phrases um, that you will actually use in your actual life. Um, you know, a concept that I learned actually in the book Psycho-Cybernetics, um, that I, I've practiced all my life really, but I've only been able to articulate it since reading that, about how your imagined reality, right, you say you imagine yourself speaking Arabic, right, and you really picture it, you picture the things that you would say, and you imagine yourself as a fluent Arabic speaker, right, when you do that, and you say out phrases, you, you become it, do, do you know what I mean, like it's, it's quite interesting how that happens, but, but I would say put vocabulary in phrases, I think sometimes... Sometimes I get quite confusing questions from students. Like people will say, what should I learn first, a grammar or vocabulary? As if, as if they're not entirely together. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you were to marry them, you'd learn them both more easily. Do you know what I mean? Like, you should just encounter context as much as you can. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, flashcards. Um, yeah, that they can be good if they work for you. They never have for me. To be honest, but when I was at uni... All of the Arabic students, and especially the Japanese and Chinese students as well, they always made flashcards, right? And they were obviously making kanji flashcards and stuff and Chinese character flashcards. And I made them as well, just because everyone else was. But I realised that the thing that helped me the most was just making them, like writing the words out. And then, like, I used to, like, I was too cheap to buy already cut flashcards, so I used to just get big bits of paper 
that I had and I'd rip them, I'd fold them and rip them. And I just found that process of having the vocab list in front of me, then writing them out in different colours, that actually making the flashcards was more beneficial than even using them. So that's why like the digital flashcards, things like um, Memrise or whatever, they don't really help me personally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my personal opinion. Why was learning Arabic lost in our schools? I don't know when. I don't know when we ever had Arabic in our schools. Do you mean like in Muslim majority schools or um, or what? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know if um, yeah, I don't know if we ever did um have it in our schools. I'm not sure. Yeah, right. Maybe we'll call it a day, inshallah. Mm. Well, I don't know. It is certainly true that the Arabic language had more status among the Muslims in the past than it does now. Um, you know, we had non-Arabs learning Arabic to a higher level than Arabs in the past, like... Albanese recent you know um yeah so um yeah who all learned Arabic and wrote books in Arabic and stuff and obviously um Imam Bukhari was from Bukhara obviously which is an Arab place yeah that's obviously the case I don't know do you know what I mean like I don't know like it seems a very kind of lefty and very kind of Muslim narrative to say um say that it's like a as kind of a, a non-Muslim conspiracy. But if you look at the Muslim majority countries who used to use the Arabic script, like Turkey, for example, like Turkey used to have the Arabic script and it used to have loads of Arabic words in it. And then there was like a systematic process of secularizing the language, of removing that and replacing the Arabic script. And it may be that that's the case for other languages as well. Um, there's kind of a systematic top-down approach um, to to de-Arabize de um languages of the Muslims and the education systems and stuff. Let's call it a day, inshallah, because I've been here for an hour and ten minutes, um, and I should go. Um, okay, let's just do this last one, because it's, it's quite a good question. Um, what does the Arabic name Sultan mean? Well, so Sultan, really, its meaning is about having um, control over someone, really. Um, Sultan is even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even says says the word Sultan to Shaytan. Um I believe it's in Surah Tahjr. Authority, that's a good one. Authority, yeah, not control, like authority. Um, um Laysa Laka alayhim Sultanun illa manitabaraka mina mina something. Look it up in Surah I believe it's Surah Al Al Hijr. Yeah, well, Allah says that to Shaytan anyway that you won't have you won't have Sultan over them. You won't have authority over them, except the ones who um, I can't remember the translate. I can't remember the word, so I can't even translate it. But um, but yeah, it just means authority. The term Sultan just means authority, and it can it can even be Shaytan having authority over someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, have to be a king or something. All right, guys, let's call it a day. Uh, may Allah bless you guys may Allah reward you guys may Allah put barakah in your studies may Allah forgive you guys for your shortcomings um, any mistakes that I made in this uh, for myself anything good that's in it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
And um, yeah, for those of you guys who are new on the channel, please don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like this video and share it with anybody as well, inshallah, who you think might benefit from it as well. So uh, without further ado, we will, uh, inshallah, uh, call it a day. If I can see where to end this. Okay, I got it. All right, guys, I run out. Salam alaikum.